Jack Daniels presents Fight Talk on today's episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody with Chad Belding, featuring UFC Hall of Famer and MMA legend Dan Hendo Henderson. I appreciate all the support throughout the years, worldwide. Chad and Dan take a deep dive into the new book, Hendo, the American Athlete, but Chad quickly falls short with his bulldog choke, and Hendo drops Chad with a knockout. Get ready for Hendo's unprecedented fight career, his take on promising UFC up-and-comers, and past and previous legends. I gave my heart and soul to this sport. Ladies and gentlemen, Dan Henderson. Enjoy today's broadcast of This Life Ain't For Everybody with Chad Belding and UFC legend Dan Hendo Henderson with a refreshing sip of Jack Daniels Old Number 7 Tennessee Sour Mash Whiskey. And thank the good Lord Almighty that Hendo ain't coming after you. Hendo unleashed on top. Welcome to the Octagon, where there's quick jabs, brutal takedowns, and the bare-knuckle truth with Chad Belding and Dan Hendo Henderson. And it's coming at you in three, two, one. Where are you? Are you in your office? I'm in my on my fucking couch. Are you always on your couch more so than often these days? This is my office. I don't have an office at the gym. You, what happened to it? You gave it to your manager? Yeah, basically. Uh, and I've been waiting on mine to get built again. It's in progress right now, though, right? You know, I told you shit got expensive, so. And I, th- I think I'm got it all figured out, so I think I'll have a couple options, so that's good. Why are you moving your screen so much? Or are you on your phone? No, it's I'm just getting my computer set up. What do you got it on, like a TV? I do not like this computer because the camera's at the fucking bottom, like right above the keyboard. Well, yeah, but you got to set it up higher. So I got to set it up higher. Yeah. What do you got? You got it on like a TV dinner tray. Rachel's going to start bringing you food or something. Hello's right there. <laughs> this is a circus, Hendo. Your computer's going like this, like you're in a boat. Once I get it set, I won't be moving. Right. I literally was just trying to set. I didn't have a, a picture to look at until you got here. Are you set? Uh, I think we're good. You can see my gray a little too much and my beard. Well, you're in your 50s now. That's normal. I got a little gray, and I just turned 49. Yeah. My birthday was last Saturday, and I waited on my porch all day and never saw one post office truck stop by with a gift from you. I didn't know it was your birthday last Saturday. It was. Last Friday, whatever. I was in Canada when it was. It was on the 21st. I put it on my calendar so I don't ever forget again. How was Rogan? Uh, It was good. You've known Rogan a long time, huh? Yeah, I've known him a while. It was good to catch up with him. I haven't really seen him in a long time. Do you not go to many UFC fights anymore? You mainly do appearances for Bellator. You're getting ready to head to New York for what? Is that for UFC? Well, I, I got finally got back with Monster. So what happened with Monster? Is it the same dude running that ship over there that, that handles the fighters? Yeah, same guy that handles all the MMA, basically. Yeah, I don't know. I, I couldn't even tell you what the problem was, but I think he was going through some stuff, and and you know, COVID happened, and. My contract ended and it just didn't get renewed until now. So Rogan Studios is pretty badass. It's pretty cool. He's got a bunch of cool art. His setup there is really awesome. His studio itself is, is pretty small. Uh, but then the front room where, where all of his artwork and stuff is, is pretty cool. And then he's got a big ass gym in there that him and his security guys work out in. That's about it. Really? Some weights and everything. And then he's got an archery, uh, like a 40-yard archery range in there. 
one end has the targets, the other end has the virtual screen what you can use. Yeah. He's got that in there too. He's into that archery big time. He killed a heck of a bull a couple of weeks ago, I saw. Big elk. Yeah. Yeah, I saw pictures of it. Did he tell you what it scored? It wasn't his biggest one. It wasn't? No, it was it was it's in the four hundreds, but his other one was bigger that he's had before. It's on his wall in there. Big bull. Did he kill it with Cam in Utah, or where did he kill it? Do you know? One he was just at was Tejon Ranch. New Mexico, Utah. I don't remember where he said was the biggest one. Yeah. So what did you think of Tyson Fury and Nagano? Did you watch? I didn't realize it was so early. So I watched uh, the second half of the fight. And that again, I only watched the second half, but I thought Nagano won every round except for the second to last round. Yeah. Which would have been, what, was it 10 rounds total? So And he won them all. In the, the He won four out of the last five rounds, you're saying? Yeah. They just couldn't give it to him. They could not let Tyson Fury lose that fight, right? Or he, his, I mean, he's tarnished. He's fighting for the a title shot in December or something, isn't he? He better get his ass in the gym. Yeah. But my question was, okay, say he didn't take Nagano seriously and didn't train for him. That didn't matter. It shouldn't have mattered the first round, maybe the first two rounds, where he still was pretty fresh. And I didn't see the first two rounds, but I know Nagano knocked him down in the second. I don't know how the first round went. That I don't know. But either way, I heard Nagano should have got a 10-8 on that second round. And one of the judges had Fury like up by three rounds or three points, and there's just no way. Yeah. That's not very good judging. One judge had it Nagano, one judge had it Fury by one, and then and then a, a judge had him up three. That's that's no way. Yeah, it does suck, and I know the feeling. <laughs> yeah, I was going to talk to you about that. I'm, we're here to talk about this for everybody watching on YouTube. Let me get it over close to my camera. This is Hendo's new book released last week. This is why he went on the Joe Rogan experience as well. Hendo, the American Athlete by Dan Henderson with David Cano. Is it canned or Cano? Cano. Cano. It's pretty cool, these little, uh, the quotes you have on the back by Joe Rogan, Toby Keith, and Gary LaVox. Did you know Gary LaVox before Oklahoma when we went hunting last year? I did not. I did not. Oh, so this took place after that hunt. You asked him to write a, a quote about the book? I think I had finished the book already, and it was being edited. And then we go back and change a few things, you know, if needed during that period. I think when I met Gary, it was in the editing stage. And then, obviously, they want some uh, quotes. And Randy wrote a pretty good thing in there as well. But Gary LaVox, Toby Keith's in the Songwriter Hall of Fame. Gary LaVox will be in the Songwriter Hall of Fame one day. He's got like 17 number one hits. That's pretty cool to have big-time songwriters writing. I mean, if you read what what Gary wrote, you can tell he can put his words together. I don't know how edited it was, but he puts his words together very well. Um, it's pretty neat, this career that you put together, that this book goes through and talks about it. the photos in this book are awesome too, because even as good of friends as I've become with you, I love seeing the experiences that you had that I never knew about. Um, even if you did shake Hillary Rodham Clinton's hand, I don't know um, why you put that one in there, but we'll talk about that on another hunting trip. Um, but it's really neat seeing the little trophies and you and like almost pure, like diapers pretty much and how, much of a wrestler you really were all the way through your Olympic career. And then how Joe Rogan talks about how you were never really versed and maybe street fighting a little bit, but you never really trained 
boxing or MMA or hands. And then all of a sudden, tell that story one more time, Hendo. I think you've told it on the podcast before, or you told it to me at duck camp here, here or there somewhere, Oklahoma, Canada, wherever we've been. You were training with Couture in Oregon, and then he was going to go fight in Brazil, and he had to back out, so you took his place. Or Tell that story again about your first fight. Uh, yeah, I mean, we had been training partners in wrestling for at least five years before this, and we'd watched the UFC on TV and had talked about maybe getting into it or what do you think, and, you know. And like, yeah, you know, I'm not sure about those big 300, 400-pounders that are in there. Uh, but I think we'd be good at it. So then I didn't realize Randy had put an application into the UFC and, and got denied. So I didn't know he was actually going to try to do MMA. And then, and then I guess he got a call uh, about going to do this tournament down in Brazil. And they had a lightweight tournament and a heavyweight tournament. The lightweight tournament was like 175 was a weight limit. And then heavyweight was heavyweight. And I was wrestling 180 and a half and, at the time. So an extra five pounds wasn't too bad. So Randy calls me up and says, Hey, I'm doing this tournament down in Brazil at heavyweight and they got a lightweight tournament. Do you want to go do it? I said, sure. Why not? And, uh, and then like a couple of days later, after I committed, Randy got a call from the UFC saying somebody got hurt and told him that he could fight in the next, on the next show. It was a tournament style also. So, and it was like within a week of the Brazil fight. So he didn't go to Brazil. I went and Tom Erickson actually took Randy's place at heavyweight in his tournament. I don't know if you remember big cat, Tom Erickson. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. He was a big, big old boy, a good, good freestyle wrestler. And he went out there and he won the tournament at heavyweight. I won the tournament at lightweight or whatever they called it. But I think he fought Randleman in the finals. Yeah, Kevin Randleman, yeah. He knocked him out with an elbow on the ground. How did you win? Did you fight a Brazilian in the championship fight? Well, I fought a Brazilian black belt, Carlson Gracie black belt first fight. They were right in the middle of trying to clean up the sport a little bit. So this organization, which was their first show, said, hey, to the referee, if there's five unanswered punches to the face, stop the fight. I think I had him, he was kind of up against the fence on the ground and I was throwing punches, but most of them were kind of missing. And I think I threw like six or eight punches and the referee stops the fight and the whole crowd went nuts. It was almost a riot. People were throwing shit in there, trying to get up on the cage to come in. But luckily the cage was kind of 10 feet tall. So it was pretty tall. There was a guy on the outside holding the gate and ducking his head and everybody, you could see him on on the video. <laughs> everybody punching at the guy trying to get in the cage. And I was like shitting myself right there. <laughs> Cause they weren't going to stop with him or the referee. They were going to get you to, uh, yeah, I was like, uh, I don't know what was going to happen, but, and then, you know, I had cut weight pretty good. So I, I'm in the middle of the cage and then I start cramp. My leg starts cramping. So I just sat down in the middle of the cage and I didn't understand any Portuguese. And the, the guy that I was fighting finally got on the microphone and told everyone to settle down and, you got to respect the referee. He made a decision to stop it. You got to respect it. And and because they had offered to restart it. And he said no. What round was it in? There was only, uh, well, I think it was two 15-minute rounds. And it was in the first round. So what happens if they don't stop the fight, in your opinion, the way the fight was going? I think you kind of just gave it away. If he says no, he probably knows you're whipping his ass and he doesn't want to try it again. Or why did he say no? Because you deserved to win? A little bit of both. But yeah, I mean, I think 
within 30 seconds, he would have been done. Okay, so Joe Rogan on the back of this book says, Dan Henderson is a savage. He came from a pure wrestling background with very little striking training. So you're wrestling and you're an Olympic Greco wrestler, correct? You're a Greco wrestler in the Olympics. So where did these hands come from? Were you a street fighter growing up or did you and Randy just like put a a quick game plan together when you decided to go to Brazil? Uh, I didn't know anything. I was just a wrestler. This was two weeks from when Randy called me. I'm in Brazil fighting, you know? Did you have to pay your own way down there? No, they flew me down and coaches. What year is this? 1997. 1997. So you get in this 10-foot cage, almost WWF, WWE, I guess, the big cage matches. But the hands come from somewhere. Did you try to take him down first and he defended your takedown? Uh, No, I was on, I mean, the fight went everywhere. I was on bottom. I was on top. I don't know. I was not very good at grappling as far as uh some of the submissions go and and he had swept me once and ended up on top so i mean i was very new to it uh, i don't think i'd ever really grappled before submission stuff i never really you know i i did brush up on as a wrestler what how to not get arm barred how to not get triangle type of thing uh i'd been in like three street fights in my life so that wasn't really a factor of where anything came from but I remember when I got in the cage, I'm like, oh, shit, what I get myself into? Why? I don't know. A little nervous. Never done it before. And as soon as the bell rang, all that went away, and it was just instinct in there. My savagery came out, I guess. Straight fighting savage. Um, okay, let's talk about like fights that I've always been interested in. I know that a lot of them are in this book. What year was Bisbing 2? That was UFC 204. Now they're in like 289. So was that in like 2015? 2017? 16. October 16. Okay, so fast forward from your very first fight in Brazil to your very last fight in Britain against homeboy, home cooking Michael Bisbing, who you had already had one of the best knockouts in any fighting, all of boxing, all of MMA, all of fighting there is, even bare knuckle boxing or these new slap fights. Like the first knockout of Michael Bisbing is, it's one of the fights people talk about when they bring up Pendo, besides when we get into Shogun and all that in the Hall of Fame fight, which is considered probably the best fight of all time, if not one of, I mean, one of the best, if not the best. But there's two fights I want to talk about before we get into the book more. And I know that we've touched on it before, but Bisbing too, you'd already smoked him when he was a younger fighter. Now you come back, he's the title holder. He's got a different build. He's got, he's stronger at this time, but you come into this fight in the first and second round and lay him out, knock him down. And at the end of the fight, it looks like his face has been in a meat grinder and you look like you just went on a walk in the park pretty much. Why? It was it evident. I know that they always tell fighters, do not leave it in the judge's hands, of course. Did you lax off a little bit against him? Do you feel like you could have finished him in the third round, maybe, if not the second? Um, I don't know. Maybe I had a, a split second delay when I was when I should have just jumped on him and did the same exact thing I did to him in the first fight. But I mean, my fist missed by like a half an inch from connecting on the ground uh, to follow up to make sure that he was done. You know, but yeah, I mean, either way, I thought I did enough. I don't know if I would do much different in that fight. Um, you know, maybe I, I could have made it boring and took him down and humped the fuck out of him and, and won the fight easily that way. Yeah, as it, I think I took him down in the fifth round and I knocked him down two other rounds and, and 
he really didn't do any damage at all to me. He didn't land any strong punches at all that made me say, damn, you know, he landed a few kicks that, that didn't really do anything either. And I, you know, I don't know. I, I have no idea why he, he got the decision, but got to live with it now. On the inside cover leaf of your new book, Hendo, the American athlete, it has a quote in there to, um, and his up and down relationship with Dana White, who was one of the original owners. Well, when they bought the group, the UFC with the Fertitas, and then Dana has stayed on as like the president, if you will, in the face of the UFC still. It says an up and down relationship, which speaks for itself of what that means. Was there a part of that that decision with Bisbing that Dana came to you at all? What was your relationship with Dana White at the time of that title fight? And did he say anything like, what the F, you got screwed, home cooking? I mean, did he say, hey, you should have finished him or Bisbing deserved to win the fight? Was there any reaction from Dana White uh, in regards to your this quote in your book of an up and down relationship? I'm just, I'm curious because I just kind of want to know where his head space was at. Well, I, right after the fight, I'm in the cage. I think he's not even in the cage yet. He's talking to me through the cage. Or maybe he's in and we're talking in there. I don't remember. But, you know, he basically said, oh, yeah, I had it. You know, you got a 10-8. And then, you know, and then he won three rounds. I'm like, well, then it should be a draw at at the worst. You know, it should have been a draw at the worst. And and uh, he's like, no, you, you should have. You need, really needed to win the last round. I'm like, well, if it was a 10-8, if he wins three rounds, two out of three rounds, and it, it would have been a draw. But either way, I thought I'd beat him in the last round as well. Obviously, I beat him in the first two rounds. Fourth round, I felt I could have won either way. But again, nowadays, I feel like they judge fights differently and put a lot more emphasis on damage than than how many times you touch the other person. When I was at the last John Jones fight, when he came back and won at heavyweight against the French. Gone? Or Gone, yeah. Is he French? Uh, I'm not sure where he's from. It doesn't matter. I was there and Bisbing was there, and there was like this VIP party before the fight, you know, upstairs. You've been to so many of them. And I was up there, and he come up there with his girl, his wife, whatever, what happens in that instance if you're me there? Do you respect him now? Do you like him now? Would you say, what's up, Michael? Do you guys give each other fists or even a bro hug? Or is it just kind of passerby? I think I've only been in one maybe place at the same time of them since the second fight. And that was uh, at Sam Alvey's fight. But I was waiting for Sam by the elevators and Bisbing walks down. And my back was to him, granted, but I was, he was ta- I was talking to my, my boxing coach, you know, but my side was more to him, and he walked past us, didn't say a word to me, stopped and said hello to Sam, who was about 10 feet away from me, and then kept walking. So I don't know. I mean, I don't have any problems with him. I've always respected him as a fighter and, and you know, even as a person, but he's not the type of guy that I'd want to hang out with. But I respect the fact that he was always – the same way on and off camera. He wasn't like a John Jones quoting scriptures and then getting hookers and blow, you know? (laughs) That is part of this book that they do talk about too, about how your wittiness and cleverness and sense of humor come out in it. Have you always been that way? Cause I always tell people how quick you are on your feet, not no pun intended with the fighting career, but how quick witted you are and how your, 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 your voice is always kind of, 
like it's like your five mile an hour and your 200 mile an hour right the way you talk and the way that you approach a conversation uh, it was even that way in your fight career with the way that you approached a fight and selling a fight you were never really a shit talker you just did it in the ring and and in the octagon but that cleverness has that always been part like does that date back to childhood were you a class clown in high school were you getting in trouble in high school did you raise a lot of hell as a a pre-18 year old teen or were you a disciplined wrestler that that had the fear of god put into him i was pretty good i mean i had my share of fun but i didn't draw attention to myself to get in trouble very often (laughs) yeah no i wasn't raising hell but i was having a lot of fun and 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 still getting done what i needed to get done and and so I don't know. The wittiness is just pretty sarcastic uh, type of dry humor. And maybe I get it a little bit from my dad, but I know I'm a bit monotone as far as when I, when I do say things. Did anything happen in the Rogan interview that gets you? Cause his, his in-depth knowledge of the fight game is really, really strong. That's what I've always respected about Rogan, that he's not just somebody that was on a fear factor show and then landed this deal with UFC like this guy's committed right he's been behind the scenes at UFC since day one and now he's you know one of the faces if not the biggest name in UFC right now with the success of the podcast um, he was never a fighter but he trains jiu-jitsu and he's he shows his training and you know in his social media and stuff can he get into your dish a little bit? Can guys that know the game and know what you've done? And here's where I'm going with this. Like what happens if somebody like Rogan brings up, in my opinion, one of your worst performances ever. And I love you like a brother. So don't fucking fly up here next week and kill me for saying this, but I hated the fight against Cormier. Okay. So like I hated how that fight went down in your career. Like, I don't even know if you would think that it's one of your worst performances. Is it? I don't know. But can a guy like Rogan get in your dish or somebody that really knows the fight game? Can they ever get you fired up when they talk about your past fights or ones that they didn't see like the real Hendo? Cause you really didn't look like Hendo in that fight. First off, answer the Rogan question. And then tell me what was going on in that Cormier fight. And I didn't mean any disrespect by that. I just expected you to whip his ass. No, I, I obviously, I thought I'd win too. Otherwise, I wouldn't take the fight. But, you know, I don't ever feel bad about any of the fights that anybody brings up. You know, if it's Joe or anyone else, I, I just, uh, you know, there was a couple fights that I didn't have the best performance. I felt good going into that fight with DC. I just, uh, I thought I was going to be able to stop the takedown a little bit more. He fought exactly how I thought he would. I thought he was just going to be, you know, kind of looking to take me down the whole time and not stand up and trade punches at all. And I thought I'd be able to defend the takedowns better. And then once I got taken down, I, I really thought I'd be able to get up a lot better than I did, which I'm I'm pretty good at getting up, but he puts his weight on you really heavy and he wore me out uh, with, with his one being, you know, 30 pounds heavier than me, literally. And then he puts his weight on you really well because, you know, his wrestling background and he just knows how to really sink it down on you. And, and yeah, he, he wore me out when I was trying to get out and uh, that made a big difference in the fight. And those are the, the, the guys that I always had the toughest time with was the ones that are pretty good wrestling that all they wanted to do is take me down. It's really hard to land punches on somebody when they're just trying to take you down. You know, you can always land a, a, a lucky one at, and catch them on the way in, but, uh, you know, a knee or uppercut or, or hook coming in, but 
you know, those are hard to do. So did you get off of your fight game a little bit after you felt how, how heavy he was? Like it kind of took you out of your, did you keep trying to throw hands in that fight or did you want to get back to your wrestling base? Uh, you know, I honestly, I should have changed gears and, and wrestled with him a little bit more, tied him up, got him in the clinch a little better. You know, he's explosive. And, and was it, you know, when he gets my legs, he'd just pop me up in the air and, and take me down. So yeah, I should have really stopped trying to, punch him so much and and wrestled with him a little bit more hell of a career he built though yeah like you you do i know you respect all fighters but that cormier is a respectful dude is is he a respectful guy is he a, a nice guy i mean you had history with him in u.s wrestling you've known him for a long time is he a hell of a, a man and and i think that he had great composure in the way that he handled himself in the octagon or was it kind of for show as well is is he different behind the scenes no he's great uh, and yeah he he definitely represented wrestling and MMA really well and, and was a great champ. Um, yeah, he wasn't doing doing uh, the hookers and blow thing. I absolutely love the fight game. We're going to break here for a few commercials. I'm Chad Belding for Dan Hendo Henderson. This life ain't for everybody. Thank you all very much. Would you be stupid enough to take on Dan Hendo Henderson for a million dollars? You know, I'm 53 years old, and there's a good chance that I'm going to beat your ass. And if I don't and you win, all you did was beat a 53-year-old man. So, <laughs> Keeping the fight talk alive on this episode of Jack Daniels Presents, This Life Ain't For Everybody with Chad Belding is Bandit, Benelli, Yukonuba, American Almond Beef, Napa Valley Olive Oil, and The Provider. Don't go anywhere. The USC Terror, Hall of Famer, and MMA legend, Dan Hendo Henderson will return with Chad Belding after the break. Hey, everybody, you know, we are a huge fan of Jack Daniels, not just their product, but their mission, their culture, Lynchburg, Tennessee, the people. And we want to introduce you to the Jack Daniels Single Barrel Program. Join us at jackdaniels.com and learn about the Single Barrel Program, visiting Lynchburg, Tennessee, participating in a barrel tasting, a whiskey tasting, picking your favorite flavor, whether it's the burn in your mouth, whether it's the maple, whether it's the different combination of flavors that you are going to experience in each of the distinct bottles of Jack Daniels Single Barrel, you're going to be able to choose the best one, your favorite one, and purchase that entire barrel. It all comes bottled in individual single barrel bottles. You get your own hanging name tag, brand tag, your logo on it. You can give them away as gifts. Go knock on the door of a landowner and say, thank you for letting me hunt your field. There's so many options with the Jack Daniels Single Barrel Program. We're proud to be part of it. We have introduced it to so many of our friends and family across the country, whether it was at a business, whether it was at a duck lodge, whether it was at a conservation event. It is truly an awesome program. Learn more about it at jackdaniels.com. The Single Barrel Program. We've been involved for the last five years. I'm looking at two of my barrels right now. We just got our 2023 barrel in the Single Barrel Rye. Absolutely mesmerizing. My brother Clint's old fashions with it speak for themselves. It's the Jack Daniels Single Barrel Program. Check it out. Learn about it. I hope you decide to visit Lynchburg, Tennessee and get your own barrel. Thank you very much. We love Nashville, Music City, USA, Broadway, Lower Broadway, Grand Old Opry, The Ryman, The Bridgestone Arena, The Predators playing, big time concerts, Midtown, Losers Bar and Grill. There's so many iconic places, but the place that we never miss is Scoreboard Nashville, Music Valley, right across the street from the unbelievable Gaylord Opry Center Resort and Hotel where the National Wild Turkey Federation Convention is every February. We can't wait for February of 2024 for another successful NWTFC and all of our friends there. And we always 
started off with a kickoff party at the scoreboard Nashville. The hot chicken, the deck, the live music, the cold drinks, the bartenders, the service, the smiles, the story. And now you can find the provider on the menu, the rubs, the new wing sauce, the right wing sauce. Thank you, scoreboard. Thank you to the Hobbs family. Thank you to Bobby Johnson. Thank you to Megan, the entire crew, the staff. They roll out the red carpet every time they see us and they roll out the red carpet to every single one of their patrons. So when you're in Nashville the next time, check them out. Go to the Grand Old Opry right across the street and then end your night with a nice cold beer. Visit the scoreboard next time you're in Music City, USA, Nashville, Tennessee. We cook a lot and we like our wild game to be legit. Our recipes mean a lot to us, out of the box, unorthodox thinking, that provider mentality. We eat what we harvest. We eat what we catch. I love the organic lifestyle and nutrition and diet. We eat wild game seven days a week in one meal, sometimes two and three meals. My daughter, Alyssa, loves eating wild game. My nephew, Chase, all of our family has grown up and still lives on the value of sustainability. And Napa Valley olive oil is there for us. The Particelli family are hunters. They're fishermen, they're outdoorsmen, they're gatherers, they're providers. They are old Italian heritage that loves the outdoors. And this product, Napa Valley Olive Oil, located in the wine country of Napa, it's an amazing place. The store is amazing. The salamis, the cheeses, the fresh Italian meats, the sodas, the pastas, all of the different anchovies, everything that you need to do to be a complete outdoor chef. And even if you're cooking domestically, Napa Valley Olive Oil is bottled, old school style. The brand is amazing. The flavor is amazing. The culture of Napa Valley Olive Oil, the friendship we have with Ray Ray and Dante and Jules and Stefano and the entire family, the entire Particelli clan means the world to us. Get online, NapaValleyOliveOil.com and order the different flavored oils, the garlic, the lemon, you name it. They have it. It's Napa Valley Olive Oil. We're proud to have them in all of our recipes at The Foul Life, The Foul Life TV on the Outdoor Channel and The Provider Life. Look for more recipes at TheProviderLife.com. Get yourself a provider cookbook. Napa Valley Olive Oil is all over it. Thank you to the Particelli family and thank you all for supporting the brands that support us. Welcome back to Fight Talk on Jack Daniels Presents This Life Ain't For Everybody with Chad Belding and UFC badass Dan Hendo Henderson. How many times have you been tested by somebody like me? I think it happened one time, but he wasn't trying to fight me. He was trying to fight someone else, so I would break up the fight and maybe choke him out or something. So I pulled him away and I choked him out real quick and he looks at me and said, that's all I wanted. Thank you. <laughs> Shout out to the good times at Nashville Palace in Scoreboard, Nashville. And to resist all hats for always keeping a cowboy. So let's get back to Chad Building and Dan Hendo Henderson. So when you sit down and you have this idea and maybe a co-author like David Kano comes to you, why did you want to put your story out there? I know that you have one of the stories I always tell that was amazing to me was Hard Rock Vegas. We were having sushi and it was the month was January, probably 2017 or 18. And we were at the center bar waiting for our reservation. And between the center bar and the entrance of Nobu, Hendo signed 50 autographs and took 50 pictures, selfies, people getting them, like calling him champ, Hendo, champ, Hendo, champ. Can I get a picture? Can you? They're having him sign like bar napkins just to have your autograph. Like it didn't even have pictures of you because they didn't expect to see you there. But you have a huge fanship because of your career. First two-time champion in the history of the MMA with Strike Force and Pride. But when you sit down and you get 
this opportunity to put your memoirs out there, your history, your story. I don't know of a lot of MA, MMA fighters that have done it. Chuck Liddell, has he, has Randy done this? Yep. Randy has written a book, same with Chuck. So Chuck and Randy have one out? They've been out for a long time. Did they press on you, put your story out there? Does Rachel press on you? Do your kids press on you? Or did you always have it in the back of your mind that you were going to tell these stories and and give your fan base kind of the truth of what of the career of Hendo? Uh, you know, it's something that I thought about for a while. And then, um, you know, I was doing an interview or David Kano actually set up an interview with me. He was doing a documentary on football, on CTE, on football players, and came out, interviewed me, and and, and him, and I think Brett Farb's the, the the executive producer on it. And, uh, you know, he kind of was also a fan of mine before that, but asked me a lot of questions, not just about that, but, you know, a lot of other questions. And then, then he comes back and does – another documentary on MMA and boxing, uh, two different ones, and, and obviously put me in both of those. And when he was out here for the last one, he was uh, asking about if he could write my book with me. And, uh, you know, I told him I thought about doing it, but, you know, I'd have to see how well he was able to put things down on paper and, and you know, you know kind of got to know him a little bit better, and then we decided to do it. and. Once we got going on on it, it 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 went pretty quick. We we got it done in like three months, I think. How does that? And I've written a book with a buddy of mutual friend of ours, Chad Mendez, but it's a lot of recipes. And we did have some writing in it, stories, tips, stories about hunts, butchering, processing stuff like that. But do you sit down and just start talking? I mean, is he interviewing you like he's a documenting a fight career, and he's or how does it, or do you just start spilling your guts to him? He had a number of questions, obviously, kind of laid out like an outline of my life. After talking to me for a while, we kind of outlined what the book will be like, what chapter was what. And then each chapter, he had a lot of questions. And then those questions probably made more questions. And every question kind of sparked a, a new story or or, you know, different memory that, that I kind of had forgotten about. Even after I read the book, you know, when he put it on paper and I read it and kind of said, no, we need to change this. Or I would have said, I, I've changed a lot on on how I say things and, and made sure they were in there and made sure the stories were right. But after that, I would always remember more things that I forgot about. You know, that that's, was the toughest part. Like we could have went on forever because I kept remembering things uh, that, would have been a funny story or would have been made it a little funnier if I put it in there. So there's a few stories that are missing a few things, but for the most part, it got a lot of stuff in there that I'm pretty happy with. So I would like to hear everybody's opinion on how they like it and, and what they think. And and obviously, you know, it's something we put a lot of work into and, and it's about my life. So I'd like to hear how the story part of it went. I like the stories. I haven't read it all. I booked this interview probably a week too soon, but I am going to finish it, you know, this weekend or this week. And it's all, I think it's great. I, like I said, I think that it, it flows well. The stories are awesome. And I love when I did a testimonial <clears throat> the other day and I talked about how I started reading the book. I just said, I just love, you know, learning about how a career like this takes place because a lot of times when you see these UFC careers, man, it's just like these fighters are vaulted into the limelight so fast. I'm not saying they didn't work to get there, 
But it's like, wow, there's just like this country kid that come out of Illinois, Matt Hughes, and then all of a sudden he's a nine-time welterweight champion. And you, you just don't know a lot about him, right? Like Mike Tyson, when he was fighting, you knew about Mike and Customato and Don King and his management and his Tigers and his Bentleys. And like it was like every day. And now the media is covering fighters to where you know them. But like at the beginning of your career, MMA fighters were not being documented like boxers were, you know, from the mid eight the you know early 80s when i was really becoming a big time boxing fan they just weren't being documented a lot so to learn about you know how this career kind of formatted and formed and 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 started to take place is very interesting to me tell the audience who tom is that you refer to in the book i know that you 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 talk about exactly who he is but who is tom you talk about your brother a lot and you even wrestled him in high school was that true? You wrestled him one time in high school. Yeah, it was a uh, either freestyle or Greco tournament, like like at the state meet. Yeah, I think he had beat me like by a point, but it was a high scoring match. We just scored a lot of points on each. It was like fifteen to sixteen or something like that. Yeah, it was sixteen fifteen. Tom. He matured and muscular, and his body was a lot bigger and stronger than mine at that in high school. Like, he, like as a freshman, he was that way. And, and I didn't maybe start getting that till I was a senior. And I think we wrestled maybe when I was a junior, he was a senior. He was one year ahead, ahead of me in school. So we weren't overly close as far as we, we didn't hang out with each other too much in high school. We had a lot of mutual friends because of the wrestling team, but he kind of had his own group of friends and, and I kind of had mine and, it was what it was, but yeah, he was definitely better, better than I was at wrestling at that age. Was he jealous of your career at all as you started to become Hendo or was he very supportive? Uh, I don't know if he was jealous at all. Uh, I think part of him wishes that he had not stopped wrestling and kept doing wrestling and, and maybe trying to, you know, cause he stopped wrestling. Uh, he went, went and wrestled uh, in, out of high school, went to a college in, in Kansas and wrestled there. Uh, it was a junior college, and and I think he placed in JUCOs. And then after that, came back and went to San Diego State. Our club wrestling coach started the wrestling program there again, and it only lasted one year, and they shut it down again. So he kind of just quit wrestling at that point. Had brought a, his wife back from, from Kansas with him, and so he was just – working on getting his teacher credential and he was a teacher for years. That's pretty badass though, because you got, it looks like you guys pushed each other big time. Talk to me about what year was the uh, world mega battle open King of Kings. You look young as hell in this. Well, the King of Kings tournament. So that was uh, the end of 1999 and the beginning of 2000 was the tournament. So you're in your late twenties, maybe 30. I was, 29 and 30, right around 29-ish, 30. Pretty young to win that much money. That's that's major money, a $200,000 big check like Happy Gilmore. I want the big check. Um, were you always pretty good at investing, Dan, and being responsible, winning money like this at an early age? And, I mean, I watch your lifestyle now, and I can tell that you've done well. I'm not going to, like, spill any beans about what you have and what you've built, but you've done well. Have you – have you always been a pretty disciplined guy with your money and made sure that you saved it for a rainy day, even when you were winning this kind of money before you were 30? I tried to. And, and yeah, I, I definitely was doing that and, and getting divorced definitely changed that a bit. Uh, you know, they're not cheap 
but yeah, I mean, I, I'm always been pretty good with my money. What are your uh, sources of income? I know you have your gym. I have the gym and then just doing appearances and, and, and various things like that. A little bit of sponsorship here and there. And, and but working on putting in a, that brewery distillery restaurant that I've been working on seems like forever, but it got started before COVID and then got put on hold. And, and now we're, we're back on track to be uh, finished. Uh, construction will be done into December. So I'm not exactly sure when the opening date will be, but we've made a deal though, that you're going to wait until I can be free for it. Correct. I know, I know the world <clears throat> world doesn't revolve around me, Hendo, but I really want to be there. No, I, absolutely. I mean, we'll, we'll make sure that you can get away for it. And uh yeah, I just don't know exactly when it'll be. We might open and then have a grand opening shortly after we open type of thing. It would be awesome to be able to do it before the end of the year, but I don't know if that'll happen. Are you excited? I mean, I, I know you are, but is it just coming along besides the t- the time structure and frame of it and how long it's taking? Is it starting to gel to where you're really starting to see how awesome it's going to be? Yeah, and knowing that what the renderings look like from the designer and, and what the finished product is going to be, and it's slowly getting there, but none of the finishes are on anything, so it's all just uh, you know finishing up the framing and sheeting and, and put the drywall on right now and, and putting all the wires in the, in, in the pipes that in the conduit they have put out there and finishing a little bit of the plumbing and changing some of the, you know, moving the gas, you know, just various little things like that is what's happening right now. Well, but a lot of them. So they're, they're moving pretty quickly on things. What kind of menu are we going to see at this joint? Oh, uh, it'll have some bar food in there and, and it'll have some good steaks. Uh, you know, it'll be basically a sports bar, country bar steakhouse. So the three best things <laughs> that I always want to go to. So live music, we will have live music and, and, yeah, I want to really try to put together cool uh, following for doing a, an acoustic night, uh, like once a month or something, dinner and drinks included type of thing. There's a few things I know you love. You love your fight nights at your gym. You love the fight game. You love good food. You love a good cocktail. And you love country music, concerts, festivals, live music. Um Describe your lifestyle post-fighting. Um, and I know, obviously, I know some of it of what you do. You like to party and hang with friends. You love socializing. You love a good time. You're like me. Are you catching up for lost time? Because as a wrestler and a fighter, you can't really live that lifestyle. Like, and if you're, because you got to be ready at almost all times when you're fighting of like, you could, you might not even be in a camp and get an opportunity to go to a short camp to, to sit in for somebody. But, are you are you making up for lost time because you do love to have a good time and you deserve it and you go hard. I mean like you you travel and you uh, no, I don't think I'm making up for lost time at all because honestly it was it was almost better then because it it uh right after a fight I would party for about 2 months unless I booked another fight right away but I I would never drink about 2 months out. I would even later my training camps were sometimes three to four months, three and a half months, you know, and, and I would not drink the last two months, n- not even anything. So, I mean, I would kind of ease into my training camps. And then my last two months were pretty disciplined and pretty tough to get through. And the intensity definitely picked up those last two months. So with that, it really gave me a break from doing all this other stuff and 
you know, I, I, I do like to socialize, but I do like my alone time and be able to chill at my house sometimes too, which it seems like now it's, I'm always on the go doing something somewhere with somebody. So it is nice when I get time at home. My wife's a little bit younger than me and, and she gets worn out a lot quicker than I do doing these things. Well, now she works, but three days a week, you know, she does work. Uh, but, but yeah, she does. Uh, she's supposed to be keeping me young, but I know that's, I can tell. Um, when you hear stuff like this, where it says one of the greatest fighters to ever get in a cage, well, that's written in your own book from you and David Kuna Kano. I better get it right. I want to meet this guy. I did a good job. You're a humble guy. Like you don't ever brag about yourself. You didn't even talk shit leading up to fights. You just kind of did your talk in, in the ring and the octagon in your heart of hearts. Believe that sentence. One of the greatest fighters to ever get in a cage and a ring. Because it says ring. Yeah, I mean, I, I had a lot of fights in the ring, too, I guess. Pride was ring, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I guess it would definitely be in the conversation of one of the best, but I did it for such a long time and, and fought most of the top guys during my era. You know, I think uh, I definitely was one of the, the toughest ones to beat, for sure. How long... Did it going back to that second Bisbing fight? Did you know that was it going into that fight? Had you announced it? I'm pretty sure you did, but how close have you came to saying that's not it? What would it take? Is could could bare knuckle boxing get Dan Henderson off the couch for a million right now? No, not for a million. Nope. Maybe two. I don't even know if two would do it. The older I get, the more the higher the price goes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think bare knuckle would would have been fun for me to do for sure. It would have been right up my style with with my dirty boxing. I, I feel like I'd own guys in there. God, would you that just that maybe a fake left uh, and then come over the top with the H bomb? Like you might kill somebody though. Like I mean that that punch rocked people's world. You almost killed Bisbee. Like he was not himself for a long time after that. Like. Like I don't know if it it would be suit. I don't think anybody would want to fight you in bare knuckle boxing. I think they'd have to get two million too. It doesn't make sense for these guys that that are in there fighting that that want to you know kind of build their career to fight somebody like me. That you know I'm 53 years old and and there's a good chance that I'm gonna beat your ass. And if I don't and you win, all you did was beat a 53 year old man. So. <laughs> Granted, I'm, I'm a little better at fighting than most 53-year-old men. But After you made your name in the fight game, Hendo, which was a long time ago, you've been on top of it for a long time. Have How many times have you been, I don't know if challenge is the right word, but like tested by somebody like me, just some normal Tom, Frank, or Harry in a corner bar that thinks I'm going to go F with the freaking badass. You know, Because I saw it happen to one fighter personally. I, I personally watched it in a sports bar club kind of setting. I watched it happen. Um, had, had, did it happen to you ever? Uh, I think it happened one time, but he wasn't trying to fight me. He was trying to fight someone else. So I would break up the fight and maybe choke him out or something. So he started a fight. He got kicked out of this little bar. And I was, I was in this small town in Adak, Alaska on a, Friggin' island in the middle of the Aleutian Islands in Alaska hunting. Chuck Wicks was there with me. 
and uh, he was in there singing. But yeah, this guy got gets kicked out, then ends up coming back a half hour later, and then picks a fight with a girl in there, and then that kind of went over the line. So, you know, we kind of broke, pulled him away, and I choked him out real quick, and and you know, I was kind of halfway waiting for him to start shit when he woke up, but he looks at me and said, that's all I wanted. Thank you. <laughs> was he a local? Uh, was- we're looking at, well, all you had to do was ask. Really. I would have gladly done that. Was he a local? Yeah. I mean, there's only like a hundred people that live on that island full time. So he knew exactly what he wanted. He was one of the two drug dealers on the island. <laughs> That's freaking hilarious. Yeah, I always wondered like if there's people like that want to they either want to tell people they got choked out by Hendo or they want to really test their fighting ability against you. I was kind of pissed off because that was right after where I couldn't I had to pull out of the fight against John Jones and I had a knee brace on and I was in Alaska, but and it kind of tweaked my knee just getting getting on his back and choke you know, choking him out. I was pretty irritated that he caused that to happen. But you respect John Jones as a fighter, but not as a man. Is that fair to say? Uh, pretty much. I think that's close. You know, it's hard to know exactly since he tested positive. You know, what was real, what wasn't. You know, what was enhanced, what wasn't over the years. So it's it's tough as to respect him as a fighter a hundred percent because of that. So in that same vein, on that sentence I read you in your book about you being one of the greatest to do it in an octagon or ring, do you consider him or does that take it away right there because of the asterisk? Yeah, I think it, it puts an asterisk on it. And, and unfortunately, same with Anderson Silva. What about one of the guys that you also fought? Um, yes, Belfort. Like, he was bad on it, right? Yeah, he was probably one of the worst. He doesn't even look like the same guy when he's not. Like, uh, most of them don't. But, I mean, he was a statue at some of his fights when he was heavy on it. Well, how did your fights go with him? Uh, I won the first one, and he tested positive. That was in pride. And then when I fought him in the UFC, he would only – that was the time frame where he would only take fights in Brazil. And I believe from what I was told, his personal doctor was the head of the athletic commission in Brazil. So that helped a lot. So yeah, he was definitely didn't look like he had been off of the stuff when I fought him both times, but regardless, I got, I got kind of halfway caught with some punches or, or, you know, one of the fights, a kick, a head kick and, and kind of knocked me a little bit silly, but I still felt like I was there and capable and still moving to protect myself. And the fight got stopped both times. So unfortunately, yeah, that that's the one fight that kind of irritates me the most to talk about, but wait a minute, you fought him three times. Yeah. Twice in the UFC. Twice in the UFC in Brazil. They were both in Brazil. Yeah. I should have made him come to America for sure. At least one of them. Yeah. How bad did you beat him? Was it decision and pride? Yeah, but it, it wasn't overly close. I just, you know, my game plan going in there was to kind of be a little bit more conservative the first, because he's dangerous at the beginning of any fight. Yeah, and go in there, take him down, kind of grind on him a little bit, and then the last round try to finish him. And, you know, my corner didn't really focus on telling me to go out there and finish him now. You know, just kept telling me to take him down. But I wanted to stand up and trade punches with him the last round to to try to finish him. Because at that point, I think, you know, I would have owned him. 
but I never never changed it up. So and then he caught you twice in the UFC in Brazil. Those are the ones you'd want some of the fights in your career that you'd want back. Yeah, I mean that one would have been nice to have one of those fights at least in 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 America. Who do you like watching now in the UFC? Is there anybody? There's so many fights now. They've turned it into they've turned it into a true league to where there's like a fight at least one every week, whether it's pay per view or not. No, I mean I can't keep up. I don't know half or not not even half. I don't know most of the new fighters out there. Yeah, you know, maybe I've seen them, but it's hard to keep up with all their names. And when he was fighting, when I was still fighting, you know, and but he was just coming coming on fairly strong at the time. Was Justin Gaethje? I like watching him. Poirier, you, you know, you always got to like watching him as well. Do you like watching Covington? Speaking of Covington, he's coming back. Do you like Colby? Yeah, I like Colby a lot too. He's fighting Edwards, right? He likes to talk shit, but yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm good. I'm good with it. He doesn't hit old men in bars and and you know throw shit through windows. To you know, he just uses. Didn't he get? Didn't he get jumped by uh, somebody that broke his watch and, and and some shit went down in Miami or somewhere? Yeah, it was uh, uh, what's his face? The BMF guy, right? Masvidal. Masvidal. Yeah, I, I kind of lost a lot of respect for Masvidal over that. Liked him before, but you know when when you have twenty five minutes to go out there and beat a guy up that you obviously dislike, you have a grudge with, whatever it is, you have your chance out there one on one to get it done, and if you can't get it done there, it's just kind of chicken shit to go grab a buddy, put on a mask and jump the guy at a restaurant. Yeah. I mean, that's like, should have been more jail time. He didn't get any jail time. You didn't, I hardly heard anything about it, but yeah, I think he should have went to jail and, and should have been reprimanded by the UFC as well. So who wins Covington Edwards? Edwards surprise. I mean, he's a good fighter. He beat Usman twice. He's won some big fights. Can he beat Covington? Because Colby's pretty freaking. He's a. I mean, he's got a gas tank on him, and he's talented as hell in a lot of areas. I mean, Usman's got a gas tank too. Yeah, true. Usman's one of the. He's he's a big stud. Yeah, he he's just one of those guys that's hard to beat. Very disciplined. Stays with with his game plan pretty well. Goes out there and just you know pretty methodical and and goes after it. But you know, Kobe does is a little bit goofy. He does use his wrestling a lot more uh, for takedowns, you know, pretty good ground and pound. So, I mean, that's probably going to determine who wins the fight is, you know, if, if Kobe can utilize his wrestling and kind of wear Edwards out that way. Colby's kind of being quiet, and I, he's probably very, very ultra-focused on this. This is his opportunity that, you know, he wants that title. He's never been the champion. I don't think he has. Right. I don't think he's ever won the belt. I mean, if anything, it might have been an interim, but I don't I don't know if he's even got that. What um when it comes to this book now, you get weekly updates on sales, you can, you're privy to all that information, becomes a New York Times bestseller. All of the things that have gone into this story of your career. Is there anything that you deliberately left out because you were embarrassed of that you didn't want us to know that 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 nobody knows? You're probably not going to tell us on this. It's just a yes or no answer. Are there things that that you did in your career that you didn't want anybody to know? Uh, I mean, not career wise, uh, but, you know, some of the more personal life things were, you know, getting divorced and stuff. I think it talks a little bit about it, uh, you know, but I, I kind of left the kids and family 
part out of that a little bit and just kind of focused on my life and my competition life, like how I, how I grew up and how I got to be, you know, an Olympian and how I became, you know, a pretty good mixed martial artist after that. Yeah. So, I mean, just more of the personal, uh, marriage stuff I didn't have in there. So there's just, I mean, maybe it'll be in the next one. Who knows? Yeah. That's where I was going next is there will be a part two. I don't know about that. We'll see. I mean, I know that, uh, since this book is, even before it came out, uh, some producers are looking at maybe doing a, you know, like a biopic on me or they were, but now they're talking about doing a limited series, you know, because it's hard to put a life into two hours, you know, who would play you, who, who'd play you in a movie? Uh, they have a guy in mind that they really want to play me, but I mean, he doesn't exactly look like me, but you know, he does train a little bit, uh, MMA or, or boxing, a little bit of everything. And, and, you know, wants to also fight uh, at least amateur just to, for, to do it type of thing. So, you know, he, he might, might be a good fit to do it. So we'll see. You're an actor though, too. You've been on Navy SEALs. You've been on King of Queens. What all have you been on? Uh, well, a couple other two or three different B movies and, and yeah, King of Queens and, I think NCIS, maybe uh, LA, one episode, and and then uh, SEAL Team. Not, not very many things, but you know, it's, I wouldn't call myself an actor at all. I was just. Kind Do of, you stay in touch with Kevin James? Uh, I have not talked to him in a long time. Why wouldn't you stay in touch with a guy like that? How does that? You're pretty private. I get that, but. You had an opportunity. Did you exchange numbers with Kevin? I mean, this guy was at the top of his game, big sitcom, a big actor, friends with Adam Sandler, doing a bunch of that shit. Like, what did you exchange numbers with him? I don't think I ever had his number. Uh, but you know, one of my friends, halfway training partner or coach in my gym, uh, used to do his diet and, and chiropractic work and kind of was kind of his personal trainer for a while. So, uh, but I, no, I, I would always go through him to anything I needed, Kevin, you know, but no, I, I wasn't that close with him. Wasn't like we hung out that often. I, I did. And I have a pig roast every year that you've been to, but uh, his a couple of the writers from uh, King of Queens were here this year. We were talking about the good old days a little bit. You got to get Kevin there. He's a funny dude. He, he was in an MMA movie. Don't tell me the name of it here. Comes. Here comes here comes the wait don't don't tell me the name the boom <laughs> here comes the boom yeah boss was in that too yeah he was in the, how cool of a guy is he Baj Rutan uh he's great no he's he can be uh pretty funny he can you know he's back in the day he was a little bit crazy did you train with him you know he came down to my gym he had a comeback fight or a fight. You know, I think he had not fought for a while and had a fight, I think, scheduled for might have been in Strike Force or might have been Elite XC, which was a little bit before that, uh, you know, against a guy that I think he went out there and just kicked the shit out of his leg a bunch of times and finished the guy. But he had hurt his ribs or something. He came down to my gym and then hurt himself and then, you know, kind of. <laughs> Did his he had a, a boss rooting training type series thing that on, on audio version to tell you you know what punches to throw and you hit a bag as your workout for a while. So he, he was doing that workout like 
for a few days before his fight. There was a fight show. It was called like Inside MMA, him and Kenny. I always, were you a guest on that? I assume you were. Yeah. I love that show. They need to run that back. Yeah. I remember when Uriah Faber went on there after his fight with Jose Aldo and they showed the back of his leg. Do you remember that fight when Aldo, you, you just explained how Boz went and kicked that a bunch of, I mean, Aldo went, remember when he went into town on Uriah's leg? Vaguely, yeah. It was the color of your sweatshirt. It was that black. Like it bruised that bad, like dead skin. I've seen nasty legs before after some fights. Like your ears almost. The cauliflower ears. Do you love them? Do you do you wish there was a surgery that you could go? There probably is. I mean, would you consider plastic surgery to get them fixed or do you love them? I wish I had them. Yeah, no, I, I like them. Nobody Fs with you if you got those. They're good to hang things on. <laughs> good oh. Steering wheels for my wife. How did you pick the pictures? Because one photo, and I know you got thousands, but one that I thought, and maybe you don't. Were you good at keeping photos? Um, now, some of these, uh, my parents had moved up to Oregon, but they lived down here for a while. And it, I have this storage bin, and I found this box of old pictures. And, you know, I tried to look through a lot of them. A lot of them were just me wrestling and, you know, all those type of pictures. I mean, a huge box of them. And, uh, you know, those are just some of the ones that I found in there. And then my, uh, my niece went through pictures up in Oregon where my parents are now looking through stuff and, and sent me a couple. So, you know, we try to try to get some cool pictures out of there. You posted a picture not long ago of the King of Queens said, how does that one not make the book? Cause that's a, who was it? You Couture rampage and Frank Trigg. How does that one not make the book? Did was it a finalist? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, I guess maybe it could have made the book. I didn't think about that one. I think that one we just had more digitally and didn't even think about it. Maybe it's a great picture. Great picture. Um, besides Randy Couture, the natural, who do you stay in touch with that, that, that we know household names that we know, uh, you know, Chael occasionally, um, is Chael one of the best shit talkers of all time in the fight game? Uh, I don't know. He had a shit talking coach, I guess is a good way to put it. Uh, somebody that helped him with his material, but he would definitely come up with quite a bit. Of what do you mean? Like a comic writer or like a, a coach that, that he wrestled for or something that was a big shit talker? No, just the guy that was helping him write shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you let it out of the bag right here on this life ain't for everybody. Chell. I want to, I want to talk with Chell. He won't talk with me. Pisses me off because I could rap with him good. What is he doing these days? I, I don't see him anywhere. He's doing a podcast. Yeah, he's, uh, he's been doing, now he's doing the post fight, I think, uh, UFC stuff again. Is he? Yeah. On ESPN? Yeah. Oh, good. I missed him on there. I like him as a commentator. He's, he, yeah, no, he's been doing that. He's now. pretty, he's pretty sharp, huh? He's a pretty smart cat. No, he is. He always has been. He's, Super nice down to earth guy that, uh, you know, had a, a public persona that, that he wanted to be the bad guy. So bad guy Inc. Yeah. Well, put in a good word for me again. I want to talk with him. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to hit him up here pretty soon. I, I think uh, he, he was, was asking about going on his podcast as well. Yeah. You need to go on there for this book. This book's got to become a New York Times bestseller. <laughs> Hendo, the American athlete. Great picture on the front. American flag. You stay in touch with Chell. What about Liddell? Is he doing all right? Uh, you know, I think physically he doesn't look in the best shape. Uh, he could be. Lo he could look healthier. I guess is a good way to put it. He just 
looks like he needs to kind of exercise a little bit. So, and, you know, I think, you know, going through, he recently went through a divorce and that's kind of tough to deal with. So, you know, hopefully now that he's got everything kind of handled on that front, he can start kind of, you know, getting healthy again. I like Chuck Liddell. He was one of the guys, him and you and Matt Hughes are the ones that, that got me into the UFC back in the probably like 2005 period. You were pride and strike force and, it was Liddell, you know, he had that stance, the after the wind stance he did in the blue shorts and, of course, the haircut. But he was captivating, in my opinion. I liked watching GSP. I cheered for Matt because of the story, the wrestler. I ended up having my, you know, thoughts about him after I got to know him a little bit. But um, hell of a fighter to go nine times defending the title. But... That was just the cool air of the UFC. It was it was almost like it was more yeah. it wasn't as big as it is now. It's not as busy it is now. And it was more like you could like have heroes in it. You know, there wasn't you weren't like scraping to to try to find out every fighter. Now it's like betting on horses, dude, or betting on freaking football games. It's like just nonstop with the way that the way that they, they promote the fights now. Yeah, it's it's really tough to build up uh some of these guys that that fans could get behind when they're seeing too many of of different too many different guys. So you talk with Couture, Chell, Chuck a little bit. Tito? Uh occasionally if we're at the same event, yeah, I'll talk with them, but it's not somebody I call up and say, hey, how's it going? You're going into the biggest bar fight of your life <laughs> and there's like some badass dudes in this bar. And you get to bring three guys with you. And it's going to be against four other badasses. And I'm talking like everything goes. You can't crash a bottle. It's like, you know, street fighting, but it's MMA rules. You can't just kick them in the nuts and gouge their eyes out. Who do you bring with you? Uh, well, I mean, I think obviously Randy would be a good one. Um, she would probably be a pretty good one. I mean, he would take anybody down 100%. Chad Mendez, Randy, myself, and, and Chael any day, you know, but, you know, I, I think I would probably take Nagano over Chael. Do you base it on size? Do you do you want to get some heavier guys in there? Would Arlowski make the cut because he's bigger and he's got heavy hands? Or does Chad Mendez make it because he can be quick on his feet and then land a punch that could knock anybody out? Yeah. And he's a big boy. Who did he knock out when that vicious uppercut that one time? Remember that big heavyweight that fought a lot? He came over from the strike force, too. Did you ever fight him? Uh, no, I almost did. Uh, in before Pride, it was called Rings. Yeah, he was fighting at two hundred five when I met him. Was Vanderlei Silva an absolute tear and a badass, or was a little bit of that kind of built into this image and mystique? Or was he because you you fought him and he fought Liddell in the UFC when he came over there? Chuck beat him. Was he a really good fighter, or what did he have going for him? That was it. Power. What did he have? Uh, definitely had power and aggression and no fear type of thing, just which is a good combination. And, and you know, he was pretty athletic and could stop some takedowns. Uh, you know, I, I just, you know, he obviously was back then was, was doing quite a bit of uh, juicing quite a bit. He was obviously kind of inflated when I first met him, when I first fought him, he, he was huge. Yeah. But it, very talented dude, man. Tough guy. What about out of the ring? Was he somebody that you 
could go up and that you would want to hang out with? I'd have a beer with him occasionally here and there, but yeah, he, I, I have no problem with him. He'd be a, at that time didn't speak English very well, and I haven't really hung out with him much in the last ten years. So I guess Vanderlei was another guy that had that mystique. He had he was called the Axe Murderer, and you fought him. You fought everybody, and that was the who's who in the fight game. If you went to Japan right now, would you be recognized? Tough question. I think so. I think they want me to come back and kind of come to some of their shows out there. Ryzen. That's the name of the league. That's the name of the the. Yeah, they, called- it used to be you know the people that own Pride uh, or ran Pride, uh, and then Dream was, but the, this is their. R-I-Z-I-N, right? I think it's Ryzen. Is that competitor over there with one? Uh, I guess, but one, one, one FC is in more based out of Singapore and in that part of the world. Ryzen is in Japan. Oh, it is. Yeah. And then they shut it down. All right. So where does this go from here? Like you're on a Monday night tonight. Will you grab a cocktail, a bottle of wine or a beer and watch the world series? Will you watch Monday night football? Will you be in your pool? Will you get in your hot tub? What's Monday night have on the docket for Hendo? No, I'm probably going to sit on the couch with a glass of wine. I'm going to go get some dinner ready for the wife when she gets home and and have some wine for her. And then we'll, we'll watch uh, you know, probably a little football and a little baseball. I don't know how much of each will watch, depending on the game, I guess, how exciting they are. But uh, we typically watch Monday night football, though, on, on a Monday night. When you say get dinner ready for Rachel, does that mean you're going to order in with st- Hub Dine and Dash? I don't even know what they're called. Um, or do you cook dinner? No, I cook most of the time. What are you going to cook tonight? Or you got to see what's in the fridge? No, I don't know. I got to see what she wants. Uh you know, we do have some tri-tip leftovers, and I, I cooked some wings also yesterday, so maybe it'll be leftovers. Ooh, I like leftovers. All right, Amazon, the best place to get this? Uh, Amazon or barnesandnoble.com, but, you know, uh, I don't know which one's better, but they both work. And then, uh, yeah, I think there, there is a, uh, a place out there uh, – I'm doing sign copies. So okay, so I was going to ask. I don't know if that's an exclusive deal, but can I announce it right here on this podcast? On this life ain't for everybody. Brought to you by the one and only Tennessee Sour Mash Whiskey, Lynchburg, Tennessee. Every drop made in Lynchburg. Jack Daniels. Enjoy it responsibly. Never allow underage drinking. Can we give away a signed copy on social media by following Hendo and the Foul Life for this life ain't for everybody? And one lucky winner gets a signed copy. Of Hendo, the American athlete. Is that allowed? We're good enough friends for you to say yes, but do you have an exclusive deal with somebody already? No, I, I, I can do that for one of your fans. And does Dana White own some of your intellectual property with the name Hendo? Like Vince McMahon, John Cena and The Rock and Hulk Hogan and all these guys had to battle for their names when they left the WWE to use those names in movies and stuff. Or do you own all of the IP property, intellectual property of Hendo? Yeah, I own Hendo. They, I mean, they don't, if, but you know, they do own footage and I give them the rights every year to do the video game. I have to sign that, sign off on that the UFC never tries to take take money from somebody like you that is building a revenue stream on a name that they help build 
by buying Pride, by buying Strike Force, and by where they could say they helped put Hendo on the map as much as he put himself on the map? Is could they ever say that? Uh, I'm sure they could try to say that. Um, they just had the platform, and it didn't matter if if I sucked, I wouldn't. Have, nobody'd know me. <laughs> when was the first time somebody called you Hendo? Uh, when I was younger. So I mean, it's yeah, here and there, growing up, and and you know. I got called a lot of nicknames over the years, and then I finally got tired of all the different nicknames, and I just put Hendo out there a little bit, you know, to where I just tell people to call me that instead of everything else they were called. Uh, the American athlete actually was, uh, when I was fighting in Pride, the media, and they had a couple of different nicknames for me. A lot of times they would just call me Dan, you know, the media would, and everybody would know me too. Uh, but some of the media started calling me the American athlete or Dan, the American athlete. Yeah. So I, I was trying to figure out a good name for the book and uh, I love it. You are the American athlete. I mean, Toby Keith and and Bobby Pinson wrote a song about you called made in America. (laughs) True story. Toby Keith says it on the back of your book, a transparent look inside the heart of a champion truly made in America. Toby Keith. How is Toby? He's uh, he's battling. I know he just sold out Vegas two yeah, nights. He's, he's battling through it, though. I, you know, I think he uh, had some good news for a while, and then got some bad, bad news again. So he said he's got one one horn knocked off the devil, working on the second. So he's so great. Yeah. So I, you know, I don't know. I'm I'm definitely going to go to go to Vegas to watch him for sure. Are you? Yeah. When is that? Uh, it's December, I think 10th and 11th. It's, it's like a Sunday, Monday after NFR or right at the end of NFR. I'm looking at it right now. God, I want to go with you. I would just go in with, as your bodyguard. Yeah. Tickets sold out real quick. Like they went on sale Friday and by midday Saturday, they were sold out or maybe sooner. I don't know. If I met you there on the 11th, would you let me go with you? It's not really up to me, but I mean, you're more than welcome to come out, but I don't, I'm still working on trying to figure out. How I'm going to get into the show because I didn't. I mean, I could text him, but I don't know him good enough to ask him. And I, I guess I could go on and buy some, or we just stand outside and <laughs> gamble until it's over. Yeah. Well, I mean, either way, I'm I'm planning on being there, uh, and then, you know, I'm going to that Greenberry Tactical Challenge that I do every year, right from there. Same with uh, Rachel's going straight to St. Louis from there to visit family. I'm going to be in Arkansas the day after Thanksgiving. Then I go straight from Arkansas to Kansas for six days of hunting. Then I go straight from Kansas to hunt with – it's not our Oklahoma trip. It's not even a filmed hunt. It's a quick two-day trip to Oklahoma with Benelli and Federal and Rob Roberts. And then I leave there and I go straight to – California for a safari club hunt for five days with Merlot, but I have the 11th off. I don't have to be in uh, California until the 13th. So I could come into Vegas. So why don't you just diligently do your magic, work your magic, um, get four tickets for you and Rachel and me and Anna, and we'll go watch Toby at the MGM and I'll pay whatever. I mean, I will, I, I just, I want to see his comeback. Well, I was talking to my buddy, Brad Penny, uh, he I love Brad. The last couple of days, Thursday, Friday, he was out here for a wedding, and he's good friends with Toby also. And, and he had called Toby and said, "Hey, you better hold some of those tickets back. And don't sell them, just because he, you know, we all know that every one of Toby's friends is going to go. 
So it's going to be hard for Toby to give out. No, but I. What, but hopefully he did like save five hundred of them to sell to that his friends could buy. And I haven't had a chance since I, I talked. Brad told me that today, and I said, "Well, I'm going to text him and say, hey, you know, I'm going to come to your. Sh-. I already told him I was coming to his shows, but he, and he didn't say anything about anything. But I'm going to ask him what I need to do to get tickets. So. Okay, will you keep me in mind on that? Because I'll meet you there. Oh yeah, for sure. And then I'm supposed to tell Brad what he says, so, so Brad can do the same. And Brad'll hook him buy his whatever. You know what I mean? No, I want to buy. I'll buy whatever. I just want to be there. I don't expect any handout. I just want to no, I, I, be there. And I didn't pay attention to when it was because I just figured I'd be hunting. But I, I can get there on the 11th. Yeah, I'm flying in Sunday morning and and then flying out Tuesday to. North Carolina for that. Yeah, I'll do the same thing. So make that happen. Work your magic. Yeah, I haven't had a chance today. I, I got straight home and did this. So I could see you being the next pickleball champion with Brad Penny. Is he trying to talk you into getting in his league or what? You know that Brad does pickleball? Yeah, I mean, I somebody in the SCI said, dude, Penny's like a pro pickleball player now. And he's like, he's in a league and he's he's like going gangbusters. Yeah, I didn't know Brad was that into it or even into it until he just came out and told me. Yeah, he's a pickleballer. Yeah. Some other ex-major leaguers are in there with him too. I was like, how'd you know? I literally just found out a few days ago. I like Brad Penny. You introduced me to him in Vegas a couple of years ago. And boy, he was a stud baseball player. Yeah, he's a good Hendo, thank you. Hendo, the American athlete by Dan Henderson and David Kano is available now. Barnes and Noble, Amazon. This is an awesome book. A great read, a great legacy as a fighter, a true legend, a savage as described by Joe Rogan. That's a pretty cool word to be called, dude. I've seen you with a shotgun, though, so I don't know if you're a savage with a shotgun. Just quite yet. <laughs> All right, so I'll I'll plan on hearing back from you on the Vegas deal. I plan on seeing you in early January for our hunt in California. That's going to be a blast. I, I threw down a text to Katur and invite him. He will not text me back, and I'm saying that on here. And maybe he's busy, but he usually texts me right back from Vegas. Maybe he's on vacation, but if you talk to Katur, tell him um, there's a spot for him. Him if he wants to join us on that you want me to invite anybody else who else should we bring out there i i mean gary's always more than welcome but i he you probably get a hold of gary faster than me he hasn't returned my calls in the last two months he's always busy he, he called me out of the blue and then you know and then text me a couple of times but then that's exactly how he is with me out of the blue he'll call me and they'll be like chad boy what's up we'll talk literally for an hour and then i'll hit him up a week later on a text and it'll be si- radio silence for three months yeah it, yeah no but it's it's deer season now so he's hiding up there in that cabin waiting to whack a deer yeah i don't know michael ray maybe i think my my buddies that that are organizing this thing down in Cabo invited him down there. So he might be going down there too. Yeah. I saw him a couple of weeks ago in Nashville at Tim Montana shoot. I got to hang with Michael. He sang a couple songs at uh, the city winery the night before. You're not here shortly after that to do a, uh, yeah, he told me he was flying out. A, uh, it was the Sher- Riverside County Sheriff department. Uh, family barbecue. All right. Hold on one sec while I sign off. Thank you all for listening to This Life Ain't For Everybody. Jack Daniels, enjoy it responsibly. Never allow underage drinking. We'll be back with another episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody. More awesome guests coming up. I'm going to get Couture back on here. I got Money Mendez coming on here. We're working on Tito Ortiz. I like the fight game. I want. I like to talk fighters. I like to talk about their career. Hendo's had one of the best. Get his new book, Hendo, The American Athlete, available right now. Barnes & Noble, Amazon, and we're going to be giving away one copy signed 
to one lucky winner coming up on our social media pages, so be on the lookout for that. I'm Chad Belding for Dan Hendo Henderson. Thank you for listening to the conversation and another episode of Jack Daniels Presents This Life Ain't For Everybody. Y'all take care. So, guess who we're friends with? Little hint, he could kick your ass. Dan Hendo! Today's fight talk on Jack Daniels presents This Life Ain't For Everybody with Chad Belding is Jack Links, Traeger Grills, Corning Ford, Lear, Bad Boy Mowers, Mickey Thompson Tires, and Deemer Box. Chad Belding and Dan Hendo Henderson will wrap the show after these words from our partners. Stick around. It's called Benelli's The Foul Eye for a reason. We love Benelli. They are the top shelf of waterfowl shotguns, all shotguns for that matter, in my opinion. But when you start talking about duck blinds, goose blinds, lay down blinds, panel blinds, pit blinds, the debris, the wear and tear, everything that we put our guns through throughout a duck season, whether it's a 60 day duck season in the south or you start up north and north of the border in Canada, Alberta, Saskatchewan, and follow the migration south. Some of us, myself included, hunt over 120 days a year. And every single time I squeeze that Benelli trigger, it goes bam. I'm so proud and honored to be part of the Benelli family and when it comes to the Super Black Eagle 3 the 12 gauge the 20 gauge the 28 gauge I absolutely love this line of shotguns the inertia every single thing from the rib down to the sight to the choke tube to the constrictions the performance is what it's all about with Benelli the Super Black Eagle series in 12 gauge 20 gauge and 28 gauge whether you get Rob Roberts to build the performance shop or you keep them straight out of the box factory they perform they're simply perfect it's Benelli it's the confidence of shouldering that shotgun and the responsibility of pointing it at a live animal and squeezing that trigger the dispatch humane ethics everything that goes into it Benelli believes in the culture of the duck hunter the goose hunter the turkey hunter the upland hunter so whether you're doing sporting clays whether you're chasing waterfowl chasing upland chasing turkeys Benelli builds a shotgun for you Benelli's the foul life they're 13 seasons as our title sponsor can you imagine this relationship thank you benelli thank you all for supporting benelli and i know it's all of our goal to walk into that sporting good that benelli dealer that store and say let me shoulder that super black eagle and now you can do it in so many gauges the sub gauges included we're fired up good luck this season stay safe out there and shoot straight shoot benelli Hey, we're back in Nashville. Oh, man, I wish. <laughs> I wish I was at the Nashville Palace right now in the big room or the little room up front. I just wish I was walking down the hallways to the restroom and looking at all the pictures. Randy Travis got his start here. He was a busboy at the Nashville Palace. John C. Hobbs started the Palace many decades ago. And look where it is today. The strongest positioning in Music Valley. It's right there in the heart of Music Valley. And so many country music stars have graced their stage and continue to grace their stage. From the Daryl Singletary benefit to the Keith Whitley benefit. I saw Lori Morgan on stage this year with Daryl Worley. Saw Hannah Dasher up there. I've seen John Party up there and Leith Lawton and Drake White. Adam Hood and Brent Cobb. Hayes Carl. I've seen so many unbelievable singer-songwriters in the Nashville Palace. Not to mention their food, their menu, their generosity, giving back to the outdoors, conservation, their dedication to excellence, and giving back to Music City USA. We couldn't be more honored to be partnered with the Nashville Palace. So next time you're in Music City USA, Nashville, Tennessee, make sure you stop in and visit the Nashville Palace.
Deemer Box is unbelievable. The DB1, the DB2. Look them up at DeemerBox.com. Get your new edition today, soon to be the Foul Life edition and the This Life Ain't For Everybody edition. We are so fired up. You can pair them together. We have them around the swimming pool, our backyards, our houses. There's no need to even put surround sound in anywhere. These things sound great. We bring them in the boat, in the field, setting up decoys. No matter where we're at at the lake during the summer, we team that up and we listen to our music with a couple fingers on ice. And again, we do it with safety and responsibility in mind. Will you spell that? What is it? D-E-M-E-R. Dear. Today's bout with Chad Building and Dan Hendo Henderson has officially been called. Thank you for listening to the conversation and another episode of Jack Daniels Presents This Life Ain't For Everybody. Listen back to today's broadcast of Jack Daniels Presents This Life Ain't For Everybody and hundreds of archives on SoundCloud, iHeart, Spotify, thislifeaintforeverybody.com or on your preferred streaming platform. And grab a copy of Hendo, The American Athlete, now on Amazon, Barnes & Noble and at bookstores around the world. Thanks for listening.